The idea of a virtual world existing in parallel to the real one was once the stuff of science fiction. But today, millions of people are already spending hours a day in virtual spaces and spending billions of dollars on things that simply don't exist in the physical world. When Facebook changed its name to Meta in October 2021 and rebranded itself as a metaverse company, what was once a controversial idea among tech enthusiasts came crashing into the mainstream. Now, the company and others like it are betting big that all of us will be spending lots of our time in the metaverse in the future, doing everything from socializing and playing games with friends to working out and working remotely. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Arthur Scott Geddes. And this week, I'm asking, is the metaverse really about to change the world? Before we jump in, to get all the latest from Beyond the Headlines, hit subscribe in your podcast app now. I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. From now on, we're going to be Metaverse first, not Facebook first. So what actually is the Metaverse? Here's how Mark Zuckerberg described his vision for a metaverse when Facebook rebranded as Meta. In the metaverse, you'll be able to do almost anything you can imagine. Get together with friends and family, work, learn, play, shop, create. As well as completely new experiences that don't really fit how we think about computers or phones today. In this future, you'll be able to teleport instantly as a hologram to be at the office without a commute, at a concert with friends, or in your parents' living room to catch up. Now, of course, there are as many virtual worlds as you can imagine. If you don't like Zuckerberg's idea, then there are already more than 160 companies working on building a metaverse, and the industry is growing. But what does it really mean to be able to experience what he's talking about there? Well, I've been experiencing a little bit of Meta's metaverse through its virtual reality Oculus headset. You log in with your Facebook account and set the dimensions of the room you're in, so the headset doesn't send you bumping into walls or chairs in your physical space, you're then transported into a virtual room with a fireplace to one side and large windows looking over a landscape. The depth perception you get from the headset really does make it feel like you're in the room, looking out over a sweeping vista. You can also change the room and setting completely whenever you like. Within seconds I could be on the deck of a futuristic spaceship looking out over a whole planet, or transported to an alpine ski lodge, all rendered in 3D and to a one-to-one scale. The controllers and headset do a pretty good job of translating your movements in the real world into the virtual one. You can walk around and stand, sit, or even lie down. This is what tech companies mean when they talk about making experiences more immersive. Yes, it is weird looking down and seeing that you don't have any legs, but it is amazing how quickly your brain gets used to seeing your hands floating out in front of you. Once you've adjusted to your new surroundings, a host of experiences, apps, and games are available including the ability to call your friends and speak to them in a virtual environment. We're all familiar with sitting on a Zoom call looking at rows of faces staring into their cameras. Unlike that, the metaverse gives you a pretty good approximation of the experience of being in a room together. Replicating that feeling of being present with another person is one of the main aims of what tech companies like Meta are trying to do with the metaverse. But these sorts of high-end VR or augmented reality experiences are only one part of a bigger picture. There are also other things like NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, that effectively let people buy and own something digital. You might have heard recent news stories of people buying digital art or memes. Just as you might buy a new top and wear it to the cinema with your friends in the real world, you can now buy an item of virtual clothing and wear it to watch a film in the metaverse with your friends. A big part of the metaverse is creating a digital version of yourself, 
an avatar that you can customize and that could one day represent you everywhere you go online. Along with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, digital money that is outside the control of governments and central authorities, the metaverse is part of what's being hailed as the next generational step for the internet, Web 3.0 or Web 3. Investment bank Morgan Stanley, which stands to make a lot of money on Wall Street by getting this right, forecasts that spending to create metaverse technologies will reach $72.8 billion in 2024. That's a six-fold increase from 2020. While it remains to be seen whether this bet will pay off, early adopters around the world are already using the metaverse to mark their most meaningful occasions. Renowned the world over for its lavish weddings that can go on for weeks and that make up a major industry worth between $40 and $50 billion a year, one couple is planning to host what they say will be the country's first metaverse wedding. The groom, Dinesh Shivakumar Padmavathi, told me about his plan. Basically, like we are going to do a normal wedding in the morning at the same day. It's going to be a normal traditional day. So wedding, we don't have any changes in wedding, but uh, the reception part alone, we are going to do in metaverse. Dinesh, who works in blockchain technology, the open source record of all transactions that underpins cryptocurrencies, is marrying Janagar Nandini Ramaswamy, an IT professional. They live in the city of Chennai in Tamil Nadu state, where gatherings are limited to 100 people because of rising COVID-19 cases. The couple came up with the idea of a metaverse reception so that all their friends and family could at least attend online. In all, there will be around 2,000 guests who will get to explore a Harry Potter-themed virtual environment. They spent $1,400 on creating a castle-like digital space inspired by Hogwarts, the school attended by the fictional young wizard, in which to host the reception. Dinesh said the lower costs of hosting a reception in the metaverse was one of the main reasons the couple decided to do it. Basically, I'm from a middle class. For a middle class boy, it's not possible to a dream wedding. So we need our wedding day to be fulfilled with Harry Potter stuffs and we need some fantasy uh, stuffs. But uh, financially, it's not possible for us. Um, but in metaverse, it's possible because we can give life to our dreams. Guests at the wedding don't need fancy equipment like VR headsets. They can log in from any device with an internet connection through a web browser to control a virtual avatar. In this virtual world, the couple have organised a music contest and celebrity guests to give speeches. Guests can also explore the castle and chat to each other through their avatars. Dinesh said he was pleased his friends from around the world would be able to attend thanks to the technology. The couple have even created a 3D avatar of Miss Ramaswamy's late father, who died in April, allowing him, or at least his likeness, to be a part of the festivities. The chance to have her father be part of the day was a really important factor for the bride-to-be, Dinesh said. For her, it's like fantasy, and she's just dreaming, and she's more excited for the day, and just waiting. But while the metaverse has enabled the couple to fulfil their dreams, the platform still has its limitations. The actual marriage ceremony itself still has to take place in real life by law. The couple have also received some backlash against the metaverse wedding, with some critics saying they were abandoning Indian tradition in moving their celebration into a virtual world. Dinesh had this to say. We had a lot of negative talks about like I'm just killing the tradition, I'm just killing the culture. So many backtalkers and so many negative comments came, but uh, I just answered everyone. Basically, I'm not killing the culture and not changing the tradition. I'm doing my marriage in the same tradition way with our Indian culture. The couple believe that one day, weddings like theirs, which has attracted sponsorship from a major cryptocurrency provider, 
will become a popular way of marking the occasion. But for now, Dinesh is mostly just excited to see how the day turns out. Myself, I'm just waiting for the day to see what exactly is going to happen. And the preparation is going well. Organising events to take place in the metaverse is one thing, but the technology promises to be an evolutionary step in the way we choose to portray ourselves online, what some call a digital identity. We spoke to Alex Heller, whose company Hyperspace hopes to open a kind of futuristic theme park in Dubai, where visitors can experience some of the wonders of the metaverse and, importantly, customise their digital selves. For example, by creating NFTs of digital accessories, clothing or art that they can then own. The way that I like to put it, it's kind of like a generational upgrade. So when we look at kind of social communication, digital identity in Web 2.0, we exist on certain platforms. And now with Web 3.0, we throw ourselves into those platforms further. And so I think that the impacts that it will have on social media, on communication, on digital identity, and most importantly, on things like digital ownership and the mass adoption of NFT, the way that we organize groups, people, fan clubs, etc., is significant. And so obviously the impact that it will have on gaming long-term as well is massive and a massive industry that it will impact in that regard. So yeah, kind of more holistically, I, I think that companies are making a bet in this space because they see that this is the next iteration of the way that we exist in the internet. The metaverse, then, is about more than just putting on a VR headset to connect with people around the world in a digital environment. For Alex and other entrepreneurs and creators living on the frontier between tech, art and fashion, finding ways to express yourself within it will be a natural extension of the way people use the internet to craft their own digital identities. Hyperspace hoped to build a physical venue where all the elements that make up a digital identity for the metaverse will come together. When we look at kind of uh, current social media platforms that we use today, so when I look at Instagram, for example, for myself, I look at a platform that showcases my digital identity quite well. This is uh, an idea of who I am, the things that I like to wear, the people that I like to spend my time with, places that I've been, people that I care about, places and things that I care about that I show on this platform. And so it paints a pretty good picture uh, in kind of two channels of who I am, the, the, the picture, the permanent version of me, the, the idea of my, the permanent posts that I put up, and then the stories, the content that I want to share, the way that I want kind of people to be looking at me, thinking about me, etc. So kind of holistically there, we look at digital identity. When you look at the next iteration of that, you'll look at, you know, what you basically own, wear, operate with and care about in a metaverse world and in a digital context. So uh, a lot of people will tell you, you know, the next iteration of that will be show me your wallet. I want to see what NFTs you own. Who do you care about? What fan clubs are you part of? What does your closet look like? What is your, what are your various avatars that kind of make up your identity in different sorts of contexts? That is potentially a kind of longer term version of digital identity. One of the reasons that tech companies are investing in the metaverse is that they also hope it will create a new marketplace where we will all be spending real money. Like Alex said, it could be a space to show off clothes, art, things that make up your identity, but virtual ones that only exist in the metaverse. Will people really spend money on a digital shirt? Well, Alex pointed out that the video game economy around skins, where players buy and sell different customization options for their characters to use in-game, but which usually have no effect at all other than visually, is already worth more than $100 billion. To put that into perspective, that's roughly the same size that the global entertainment industry, including film and television, reached in 2019 before the pandemic hit. The real estate market in the metaverse, that's virtual land and property in the metaverse, 
topped 500 million US dollars in 2021. Real estate costs vary wildly in the virtual world. At the upper end, someone spent $450,000 on a plot of virtual land next to a virtual house belonging to rapper Snoop Dogg in the Snoopverse, an interactive world the rapper is developing. Even at the other end of the market, parcels of digital land routinely sell for more than $10,000. I asked Alex what he thought was behind the appeal of the metaverse. It's just an expansive world. It's, you know, I, get, I have a portal in my hand into social, gaming, information immediately. It's highly addictive. It enhances kind of our day-to-day existence. Uh, there's levels of convenience, obviously, associated with it. And it's enormously fun. It's an elevated version of the world that we live in. And as augmented reality starts kind of uh, becoming, taking on a mass adoption, especially with things like augmented reality glasses, which I fully expect to take on a level of mass adoption over the next five to 10 years, the world will just be enhanced through spatial publishing, through kind of digital layers sitting on top of physical spaces. Even though interest in the metaverse is at a high after Facebook's transformation into meta, This new series of interconnected virtual worlds remains very much under construction. Other earlier iterations of the metaverse, like Second Life, an immersive digital platform in which users can build worlds and buy and sell digital goods, have risen to popularity and then retreated into relative obscurity. I asked Tom Goodwin, the author of a book called Digital Darwinism and a business advisor who specialises in helping companies plan for the future, whether he thinks the metaverse will really become as big a part of our lives as companies like Meta believe. I think probably not. I think um, tech companies love to think that everything they do will be the future. And I think in all reality, people are not necessarily that happy about technology entering every aspect of their lives. Um, So the technology is quite a long way off. Most of the adoption of the technology so far has been rather disappointing. And it's certainly the case that it's a very profound and exciting new part of the future. But it's not going to be the future. Like we live in a world where most new technology tends to augment what's happened before. Very, very few technologies replace what we've already got. Um, So I think the future is brilliant and it involves many new forms of technology of which the metaverse will be part of. But there are massive barriers that could prevent the metaverse from becoming the kind of parallel world that Mark Zuckerberg unveiled in October 2021. Do we really want to live in a world that Mark Zuckerberg owns? What about our privacy? What if we don't like the terms and conditions or the rules he's set? The internet can also be a dangerous and abusive place. Women have already reported incidents of sexual violence in the metaverse. In one incident involving a woman beta testing Meta's virtual world, the company said she hadn't switched on a safety feature that would have prevented the attack, which was roundly criticised as victim-blaming and highlighted the serious concerns that remain over who exactly is responsible for the rights and safety of those who participate anywhere online, let alone in virtual worlds. While the pandemic has inspired people around the world to find novel ways of communicating and interacting with each other online, Tom believes that there could be a backlash as people seek to reconnect with each other. The difficult thing about this new technology is in many ways it's not particularly human in its form. So the moment that you put on glasses, the moment that you put on a headset, 
you know, you're effectively creating a barrier between you and the real world. So I am enormously enthusiastic about the internet. I think that the way that we have been able to connect to each other is incredible. You know, if you look at the way that people now meet their partners, you know, online is by far the most popular thing. So this isn't some sort of Luddite feeling that the internet is not profound or that technology is not amazing. It's just we have to be aware that as a human being, we need to look behind us. We need to be aware of what's around us. Um, we enjoy the signaling that comes from taking time offline and showing people that have bothered to meet us that were next to them. So when we're looking at the future, we need to sort of balance out this incredible enthusiasm for what's next, but also this sense of what it is to be human. And I think, you know, if you look at the last few years, no one has spent all of their life online and moved to Zoom and worked remotely and thought, you know what, what I really need is to spend more time on the Internet. What I really need is to be surrounded by more stimulus. I think if anything, we'll probably see a reaction against most of the ways that technology has entered all the aspects of our lives. The enormous technical challenge of creating the metaverse could also slow down the process of mass adoption with hundreds or even thousands of companies likely to be involved in filling out the metaverse, Tom warned that complication could prove a barrier all of its own. I mean, in a way, the challenge will be that there'll be so many different standards and so many different forms of hardware. Um, every time a new technology comes along, we tend to see enormous fragmentation. So when electricity came along, we had the AC versus DC battle. You know, when Apple, Mac and PCs were first introduced, there was huge problems with standards between them. And even now, you know, it's quite hard to get on a Zoom call when someone sends an invite from Google because it forces you um, to use Google Hangouts. So what we'll see is these tough battles where people are trying to gain market share by forcing people to use their headset. Other companies will be forcing you to use their bandwidth online. Um, and it will be very messy for a long time. And I think every time things get complicated and messy, it does hinder somewhat rapid user adoption because every time we see a barrier, every time we see something go wrong, um, we tend to just give up after a while. But even if the technological challenges and other potential hurdles are overcome, will people actually choose to live in a virtual world over the real one? I think in a weird way, we're at this sort of liminal point in technology. And there are loads of people right now that spend enormous amounts of time online. Um, I mean, the average citizen in the developed world spends more time connected than not connected. So this is not a fringe behavior. But I think what we will see is a sort of reaction against the current world. I think there will be some people that fall one side of the threshold and decide it's nice to go for a walk and to look at a bird and to skim a stone into a pond. And there'll be other people that think that online gaming is amazing and they can do all sorts of things they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. So I think for some parts of the population, this will be their primary way of living life. You know, it is very much, you know, like the matrix and the kind of blue and the red pill. The future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. That's a quote from sci-fi writer William Gibson, who coined the term cyberspace in the early 1980s and wrote dozens of stories depicting a dystopian future in which humans enter a virtual reality space called The Matrix, heavily inspiring the film series of the same name. While, as we've heard, that kind of future is still a long way from becoming reality, for people like Dinesh and the thousands of guests at his wedding, for online gamers and for cryptocurrency enthusiasts and NFT collectors, the future has, in a way, already arrived. 
There are significant hurdles that need to be overcome before spending time living or working in the metaverse becomes truly mainstream. But already we can see how the technology associated with it is beginning to change the way we interact with each other online. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Arthur Scott Geddes. Thanks to our guests this week, Dinesh Shivakumar Padmavathy, Alex Heller and Tom Goodwin. This week's episode was produced by Aisha Khan, Arthur Edison and Kelsey Warner. <laughs>